Hi there, City Church family. Uh, my name is Esther, and as James said, I'm part of the team that helped to lead IJM here in the UK. Um, as some of you may know, um, IJM is the world's largest anti-slavery organisation. So we work on the ground, in the trenches, all around the world to find and rescue children and families who are caught in cases of modern slavery uh, and violent oppression. And um, I would love to invite you uh, to visit ijmuk.org uh, to find out a little bit more um, and also how you can get involved. Now, in a few moments, we're going to have a little look um, at Isaiah uh, chapter 58. But before we do, um, I want to invite you to take a journey of your imagination. You might want to close your eyes even. I'd love you to imagine a castle. Picture it. This castle is a beautiful whitewashed stone castle. It is absolutely huge and beautifully preserved. It has high walls, it has towers at the corners, it has cannons and a big wooden gate that guards the entrance and inside there are state rooms and banqueting halls and, and stunning bedrooms with four poster beds and windows that look out to sea. You see this castle it, it sits on the edge of a cliff and there are beautiful beaches. It has a clear view for miles out to the ocean. Can you picture it? See this is one of the many castles that still sits today on the coast of Ghana in West Africa. And along this stretch of coast for hundreds of years, white Europeans used this castle to enslave Ghanaians. They would be chained up and forced underground into specially built dungeons thousands at a time. And they would be held in those dungeons under the castle, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months. No fresh water, no sanitation, suffocatingly hot, meaning you could hardly breathe. And if you made it out onto a ship alive, well, you were a lucky one. This castle stands today as a symbol of suffering a monument to how low humanity can go. And in the middle of it stands a church. A church where people would gather to worship, to confess their sins, to pray. And each time they gathered, they would literally have to step over a grate in the floor where the people below were crying out for help. And if during one of their services they could hear the sounds of suffering beneath their feet, they would sing a little louder to drown out the noise. You know, this castle stands today as a reminder that it is possible to spend a lot of time around Christians, in church, singing songs and still miss what matters to God. Listen to what God says about this in Isaiah 58. I'm going to start at verse 6. This is the New Living Translation. God says to the people of God, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. 
and remove the chains that bind people. Verse seven, share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. That's a good one if you've got tricky in-laws. Verse eight, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Now, the context of this portion of Isaiah is it's written uh, to the people of God when they're in the middle of uncertainty. You see, they've returned home from Jerusalem um, to Jerusalem from exile. And, and home isn't really feel, feeling like home anymore. They are facing uh, an economic crisis and things really aren't as they'd hoped they'd be. And as for their gatherings, well, as a worshipping community, they're kind of trying to work out, you know, what their worship is going to look like in their new normal. Does that sound familiar to anyone? You see, the ground is shifting and they feel like they're in the dark when God breaks through into their questioning and he speaks. And there are three key things that I'd love to highlight. You see, firstly, God begins with a vision. Verse six, he says, this is the kind of fasting I want. In other words, he's saying, this is the worship that matters to me. This is the agenda. And he makes it pretty clear that he wants justice, freedom, an end to oppression, that chains would be broken. You know, this is the vision statement. This is what God says he wants. He wants justice. And in fact, this vision is so good that, that Jesus kicks off his ministry with really similar words centuries later. But let's name it. Having a vision like this, well, it's really tricky at the moment, isn't it? It's really hard. Why? Well, basic things, things like seeing friends, things like going to the supermarket, They've all taken on this extra layer of thought and complexity in this season. You know, you only have to turn on the radio or open the newspaper and things look pretty bleak. You know, COVID rates rising. The evil of racial injustice, which is still in our society. You know, modern slavery even. And before we know it, we either become completely overwhelmed or we become numb. You know, we change channel and we tune out. And if I'm honest, recently it's felt like my world has shrunk a little bit into a sort of smaller version of me and my own. Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote the message version of the Bible, describes a preoccupation with self that leads to tunnel vision. And I don't know about you, but... But right now, I know that I am in danger of tunnel vision because there is so much that is out of my control. Now, there is so much chaos and confusion. And yet in the middle of this, God invites his people to lift their eyes and to see a vision of the kingdom, a vision where captives are still set free. 
And it's this same vision that keeps IJM going day after day. Now, if you're anything like me, I learnt about slavery in my history lessons at school, as if slavery is just something from the past. However, the reality is that today there are more people in slavery than there have ever been at any point in history before, somewhere around the 40 million mark. So if when you hear the word slavery, the picture that pops into your mind is in black and white, you need to fast update that into full colour because sadly slavery is alive and well today. It just looks a little bit different to the type that we learned about in our history books. You know, it looks about forced labour. It looks like families in, in factories uh, making our clothes or in mines mining the minerals that, that sit in our phones. It looks like child slavery. You know, kids sent to work on, on fishing boats when they should be in school. It looks like sexual exploitation and sex trafficking. Women and girls around the world held captive and then sold for rape for profit. Or it looks like the particularly ugly form of slavery that is on the rise at the moment, the, the online exploitation of children. And what do IJM do in the face of 40 million enslaved? Well, we work with governments to find and release those who are trapped in modern slavery, as well as a host of other forms of violent exploitation as well. And then we work with governments to bring about systemic change, to actually fix the broken system, to end it all for good. That is the vision. And still, the last few months have been pretty challenging when, it's, when it comes to keeping this Isaiah 58 captive set free vision in mind. And if I'm honest, at times it has felt pretty hard. You see, with lockdown around the world, what we've seen is that rates of oppression are on the rise. You know, I mentioned it before, but whether it's trafficking driven deep and underground or, or labourers in sweatshops trapped and not able to go home or, or the rates of online exploitation, you know, it feels as if the world is on a knife edge. And there are days when I found myself questioning, you know, how is this all going to play out for those who are trapped in slavery? How is it going to play out for those that are hidden, for those that are on the margins in society, for those who urgently need freedom? You know, what sort of world is going to emerge on the other side of this pandemic? And yet, with all my questioning, every single day, we have seen this vision that God casts in Isaiah coming into reality. Just these past few weeks, we've seen rescue after rescue. Uh, another 15 children in the Philippines. Uh, two more rescue operations in South Asia. One a farm, one in a factory. Um, these last few days, we've seen um, a, a number of rescue operations of children from fishing boats. And, and what we've seen is the global church family, you know, churches like yours, literally thousands of churches step up and step in with resources and with prayer to the point uh, where since March, since the start of lockdown, we have seen over three and a half thousand people set free from oppression. You know, when the world is in lockdown, this is miraculous breakthrough. And that is the thing about God's vision. It's a vision that propels us out. It's a vision we can't keep to ourselves. It's a vision that propels us out to the least and to the last and to the lost 
and it moves us out and it moves us to compassion. Justice starts with a vision, but it moves us to compassion. Verse seven describes what compassion looks like. Sharing food, giving shelter, giving clothing, being available. You know, these are all practical actions. You see, compassion isn't passive. In the New Testament, Jesus is described as being moved by compassion. And that's the thing about compassion is that it moves us and it moves us from statistics to stories. It moves us from numbers to names. And if you're anything like me, I find that I can do a project or I can share a post on Instagram or I can even give a donation, but still stay at arm's length. And those are all really good things to do. But those things alone are not what God is inviting us to here. No, compassion is about moving towards. It's about loving those who are forgotten. So they don't stay anonymous and they don't just stay as statistics. And I'm not saying this is easy, that this doesn't look messy. Um, I remember a, a young lad that came to live with some of uh, the community that I'm part of um, in Durham a little while ago. And um, he was on the edge of being homeless and came to move in with some of my friends. And, um, and he, uh, he hatched a baby bird in their spare room. And um, was it messy? Was it chaotic? Yes. You know, did he uh, insist on coming to our wedding, wearing a tracksuit and then stand in the middle of all the wedding photographs? Uh, yes. You know, was it challenging? Yes. Uh, but did he teach us a lot about the practical action of compassion? Yes. Now, how on earth does this compassion thing work when you come to a global issue like slavery? You know, when you can't possibly get to know, you know, the names of 40 million people. And on one hand, you're completely right to ask that question. You know, what you can do is you can get to know names and you can get to know stories and you can get to know the stories of people so it doesn't stay as an issue that's out there and at arm's length. You know, if you check out IJM's Instagram or our website, you know, you can start to engage with these stories of hope and these stories of survivors and these stories of people with names and families and faces just like us. You know, you can pray for those people. You can ask the Holy Spirit to actually help their stories affect our stories on a heart level. And this is particularly important with an issue like slavery. You see, slavery has a unique way of dehumanising people because it turns people into products with price tags. It turns names into numbers. It turns stories into people to be sold. And I'm convinced that compassion will help to be an antidote to that. Justice starts with a vision. That vision moves us to compassion and it brings us together. You know, this passage in Isaiah is addressed to a whole community. God is speaking to the whole body here. There's a really important lesson that we are to do this work of justice together. A couple of weeks ago, I had a really powerful 
reminder of this. I was walking through Durham, the city where I live. And if ever, any of you have, have been there, uh, there's a big river that flows through the middle of the city. And my dog, Asher, uh, got stuck in the river and um, no amount of coaxing uh, would get her out. I was grabbing kind of progressively bigger sticks and I just couldn't get her out. If I'm honest, I was starting to panic um, a little bit and I was kind of getting ready, um, yeah, to, to get in there when uh, three strangers spotted my predicament. And before I knew it, they had formed a sort of small human chain and lowered me, uh, dungarees and all, down to the river where I then was able to grab Asher the dog and they pulled me and her out. And um, needless to say, I had a really soggy walk home. You know, justice isn't the work of one hero going it alone, but it is the work of joining hands with others, of, of getting into the river alongside brothers and sisters, of working together to get others out. And that's the story of IJM. Now, it was started um, just over 20 years ago by one person who had a vision to rescue a little girl who was trafficked into a brothel in Cambodia. But now fast forward 20 years on, that one person didn't keep the vision to themselves. And that one person is now a global community. You know, a global community of undercover investigators who locate where people in slavery are trapped. You know, to police partners to, to help with the rescue operations. To the social workers who walk through the long journey of healing with survivors. To lawyers who advocate in court to campaigners who work with governments, to churches who intercede and pray for the work, to the families around the world who are willing to give generously, to sacrifice their salaries and their time to the vision. And you know what? Together, this global community have rescued over 55,000 individuals from oppression. But more than that, in countries where we've worked, we've seen rates of slavery decrease by up to 89%. And you know, for every rescue that happens, for every nation we see transforms, not one person gets the credit because we all work together. And the truth is we need one another. Justice starts with a vision that moves us to compassion and it brings us together, yes, with one another, but with the presence of God. Listen to verse eight again. Verse eight, then your salvation will come like the dawn. In the NIV translation, it, it says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. I love that image. Verse nine, then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. You see, the promise is his presence. And we know, Psalm 16, that in God's presence, that is where the joy is found. And that's what we found at IJM. That as we engage in this work of justice together, that as together we show up in the most difficult of situations, that the presence of God is already there, bringing his healing, bringing his joy, bringing his hope. I remember a young woman called Elizabeth. I can't show you her picture, uh, but she has shy, laughing eyes. And um, she grew up 
in South Asia with wonderful Christian parents. And uh, she was trafficked into a brothel as a teenager. She'd been tricked by a family friend and she was put in this brothel and abused day after day after day. By the time IJM uh, located her and worked with the police to, to get her out, she had undergone some of the most horrific abuse. But as my colleagues returned to, to find others that were in the nearby area, all they actually discovered was amazing. You see, on the walls of the tiny room where Elizabeth had been kept, essentially her prison cell, they just by her bed were etched these words into the wall. She'd written, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The words of Psalm 27. You see, in the face of unimaginable injustice, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here with you. What an incredible promise that we will find God there, even in the face of some of the most serious injustices in the world. You know, leave safety and comfort behind. God says, yes, I am here. Engage with the brokenness of the world. God says, yes, I am here. Care for the sick. He says, yes, I am here. Fight addiction. He says, yes, I am here. Tackle racism. He says, yes, I am here. Love our planets. He says, yes, I am here. Free the oppressed. He says, yes, I am here. This is it. God promises to meet us out there in the hurting, in the chaos, in the confusion, in the heartache. He says, yes, I am here. Justice starts with a vision that moves us to compassion and it brings us together, yes, with one another, but with the presence of God. This is the worship he wants. I started by sharing about that castle in Ghana. And it struck me so much when I visited it because the people of God literally walked over injustice to get to worship. You know, we can't change what happened there. We can't change what happened in our own city even. But we can look it in the face and we can learn from it. I want to encourage you that as we come through this pandemic, we have a unique opportunity to choose what kind of future we build. Wouldn't it be amazing if we, as the church, led the way in building a future of justice and a future of freedom? You know, wouldn't it be amazing if we were really able to say that slavery belongs in the history books? You know, it really is a thing of the past. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, IJM exists to make it really practical for all of us to respond. And as the people of God, we are invited to be part of the solution. You know, you can continue journeying 
with IJM today by visiting ijmuk.org slash choose freedom. And there are lots and lots of ways that you can get involved to help build a new normal of freedom and of justice. And uh, from signing up to be an IJM champion uh, to becoming a freedom partner, which means that you can help facilitate rescue month after month. You know, we would absolutely love to have you on the team. And it may be today for you. Maybe today is also asking about asking God to help you restore vision, to lift your eyes away from that tunnel vision that Eugene Peterson talks about. Perhaps today is about asking God to show you what kind of future does he want to build? Now, as we close, I'd love uh, to share with you uh, the words of Jesus speaking to you. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says that you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so they will see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. That is my prayer for all of us today. That as we worship, that as we seek justice together, that our light would shine in the darkness. And that whatever injustice you face, you would hear the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, yes, I am here. Let it be so. Amen.